You are listening to Cracking the Rich Code with Miss Marilee, your insider's club from authors and entrepreneurs across the country, giving us their best to help us crack the rich code. And now, here is Miss Marilee. Welcome, everyone, to Cracking the Rich Code. I am Miss Marilee. So today we're having take three. I have been talking with Matthew Hardy. He is my co-author for Cracking the Rich Code. You know, we've tried to do this a couple of times, and many of you won't even know. But you you know what? It's it's a beautiful thing and a beautiful opportunity to me because I get to – find more about him and, and feel like I'm coming back to the table with, with a friend rather than not knowing. So he's, a, he's not only a co-author, okay, but he, he, is, um, he has the same type of sentiment that I do with his relationships, his spirituality. Um, he's a renaissance man, so self-proclaimed. And um, he has so much to share with us that I'm, I'm sure that we cannot duplicate what has said before. But I'm absolutely certain what's to come today is is going to be absolutely blessing. So, Matthew, you out there? I am. So, aloha and shalom, Miss Marilee, and to all the <laughs> listeners. It's a great opportunity to be here. No pressure, you know, because if you go None. back, well, do you remember in the other interview we talked about this? So, no, no pressure <laughs> at all. You know, it's funny. I enjoy each uh, interview or discussion individually so that when I come back to the table, it's fresh. It's just totally fresh, you know, without an agenda, nothing. We're going to, we're just going to let it flow. Well, that's an adjective that hasn't been used towards me for a long time. Fresh. (laughs) Really? Yeah. No, I'm old. Okay, so um, let's get this ball rolling. So your your chapter is entitled Every Man. All mm-hmm. right, so now, all right, so explain again why you titled it Every Man. All right, will do. So I really wanted this chapter. I really struggled with what I was going to write about because do I just kind of write the traditional things about plans and organization and drive and motivation? And I just said, well, probably everybody, all the other authors might be touching upon that point. So what can I do differently that is meaningful, that would have an impact to the readers? And they walked away, hopefully, with feeling like it was time well spent. So when I talk about every man, I really wanted it to apply to all of us, regardless of gender, age, socioeconomic mm. status, sexual preference. It just really goes to our core as being human. So humanity. Mm. Yes. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So I didn't, um, I don't know if I picked that up last night when you described it, but today it just seems so much deeper. And it's absolutely true because I know what you wrote. (laughs) 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 Okay. So um, so give us a little bit of background about you first before we get into your chapter. Okay. Mm. So I apologize. No, go ahead, go. Oh, no, no. I was just saying, give us a little background on you before we get into your chapter so we can get a feel for where we're at here. Okay, so um, really I would just say I was born and raised in the suburbs of Detroit. Uh, Probably one of the first things that I would say is in this kind of as a theme throughout my life, I'll never forget, I was like five years old. My dad walked into the bedroom and said, all right, I'm going to show you how to make a bed. And 
he goes, because your mother has more important things to do than make your bed. And he mm. showed me how to make hospital corners. And every morning, the expectation was you get up and make your bed. And I think that's important because it's a great way to start the day. You're getting something, mm-hmm. you know, you're getting something accomplished and you're moving forward. The other thing that he was a requirement for, I have two older brothers, was that we would all start working when we were 13. He just says, I don't care how much money you make, but I want you to understand how hard it is to make money and appreciate it and use it as a tool and don't be wasteful. So uh, at 13, I got up every summer morning at five o'clock in the morning and rode my bike probably about three to four miles to the golf course and caddied anywhere from 18 to 36 holes and then rode my bike back home. And so I was, you know, back home probably by seven or eight o'clock at night and, uh, and did that every summer. And then when I was in, High school, I worked all through high school and, and ran, ran and, um, and then in college, I worked all the way through college. You know, when, on my ho- holidays and summer breaks, I was stocking groceries from 11 o'clock at night to 8 in the morning. And so I think it set a condition into me about how to work. After I graduated from college, I always say this to people, is that there's three things that I want to be, wanted to be growing up, either a priest, a soldier, or a policeman. And ultimately, I selected to be a soldier. And so um, it was a tremendous honor to serve in the United States Army for 22 years. Uh, it just wow. really enjoyed it. I mean, not every day was a great day, but it just really was. It was just a lot of meaning, you know, meaningful that, um, you know, as a young officer, I was a platoon leader in uh, South Korea. And one of our missions was to uh, protect the DMZ, DMZ mission. So getting soldiers ready for, you know, combat patrols in the DMZ, you know, between North and South Korea. It's pretty heady, you know. So when yeah. I come home, you know, I started to see myself pretty different from my peers because when they're talking about sales or something along those lines, I really felt like there was more meaning. There was a service that was going on that you couldn't put a dollar amount onto it. And then so after my military career, I went into corporate America, worked for a phenomenal consulting firm, and did that for about uh, 13 years. And then now I'm transitioning into doing the things that I want to do. So I'm 61 years old. Um, I really want to do some things that I enjoy, and I will never retire. Like I said, I've been working for a long time. I think work's good. It adds value. And so I would just challenge everybody to do find something that brings meaning and you enjoy because then it seems less like work and you're Mm -hmm. willing to get up in the morning and get after it. So true. Absolutely. You know, I want to comment about your getting up and making your bed. You know, that seems to be a theory now, right? And Mm -hmm. I have to say, psychologically speaking, once you make your bed, it's like, ah, that's made. I can't go back to it. <laughs> it's like it almost forces you to move forward in your day. Right. Right? Well, the other piece, too, of it is at nighttime, when you get to pull the sheets back, it's even better mm. than mm-hmm. jumping into a mess bed. So there's two aspects to it. There's the morning sure. aspect of, yep, you made your bed. Now it's time to move on with your with your day and your life with a sense of purpose. But at the in the evening, at the end of the day, you get to pull the sheets and the covers back and you jump in bed and you go, man, that was great. And it's a wonderful right. end of the day. Yes, it's absolutely a treat. <laughs> absolutely. Okay, so in your chapter, 
You t- you narrowed yeah. it down to three points that you really wanted to hone in on. And your first point was about selfless service, right? Mm-hmm. And you're talking about um, when you realize your life's mission. So this is such a powerful statement because I feel like there's a lot of people who have not yet realized what their life mission is. You know, they don't know what they stand for. And um, it can be pretty disheartening. So how do you get there? I think it's being true to yourself. I think it's really um, doing some soul searching and looking at yourself and going, okay, uh, we were talking before we went on to the air about your God-given talents and using those. And so um, as much as I would love to be an NBA player, there's just not a huge demand for a guy that's 5'8", who's got a vertical leap of a half inch. Uh, that uh-huh. doesn't mean I can't enjoy playing basketball. It just means I'll never be a professional basketball player. Mm-hmm. And so I just think is, okay, what are my skills? And, you know, it's my leadership ability. It's my ability to communicate and and talk with others and motivate people, others. And you start to go into there. And then when you start doing the things that you enjoy, you really start to go, okay, there's more to it than just working from day-to-day, working from paycheck to paycheck, you really start to have a a purpose in life and you can drive forward. And then from that, because you have a purpose, you also have a greater amount of energy um, that you're willing to get into it. And it's it's almost like a bank account. You're putting into the bank as much as you're expending out of the bank account. Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So it's going to get rich. (laughs) Okay. Because, you know, I'm thinking, all right, that's so true. First of all, you have to, you have to understand what those, your natural talents are. Okay, embrace that. Embrace that. Embrace your heart. But to those who, let's say, have embraced it, they know what it is. And then they become, have you ever gotten to a point where you're afraid, like, oh, my gosh, this isn't really me, but this is, this is something that um, is coming through me. Mm-hmm. It's your relationship with something higher that can be taken away you know the gratitude isn't there if the humility isn't there it's an interesting dichotomy what's that no no i absolutely i think that uh as soon as you take things for granted or think you're all that um and a bag of chips then I think you're in for a big, you know, slap upside right. the head. I think that you have to remain humble at all times and just take it, take the back seat and just say, hey, you know, if somebody else is in the limelight, that's, that's fine. That's great. That's not who I am, and that's not why I'm doing this. And so I think it's very, very important to remain humble throughout the whole process because the rewards will, will come to you in your time. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and it's that. so easy to let your ego, you know, start to run the race. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and that's when God steps in and humbles you and takes it away. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. No, I, I couldn't I couldn't agree more. And so I would just say to, as we've, you know, 
as we have had our conversation and have talked, is just, yeah, for everyone, why aren't you doing what you want to do? This life is so short, and why aren't you taking advantage of every moment that you can and make it truly meaningful? I think that, you know, unfortunately, and I hope everybody is safe and being prudent and wise during uh, these very stressful times. And so I think that reinforces all the things that are meaningful. You talked about, hey, this is an excellent opportunity for me to meditate more, to mm-hmm. um, get more sleep in, to really kind yeah. of prioritize what's important in my life. And so right. uh, it was funny. My wife and I are finally empty nesters, and we've been kind of living like this for the last nine months. And she goes, we're doing okay. And I said, yeah, I go, I'm laughing because everybody's like going through this culture shock, but uh, we've been living this life for uh, for uh, uh, some time. And so I think it's just really important. And then you've seen such value, you know, such incredible stories. I mean, obviously we're seeing some people being incredibly selfish with hoarding the toilet paper and, and some other things, but you also see some incredible generosity and the, the heroics of all of our medical providers and the tremendous amount of hours and pressure that they're putting on being put on are doing just phenomenal things. And so I think that we're really seeing some, the greatness of humanity. And Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And coming back to what's real, our relationships mm-hmm. and our relationship mm-hmm. with ourselves. You know, I, I, I mean, I hear people going, oh my gosh, I'm so bored. I'm so bored because there's no outside stimulation. And it's like I I never get to that point. I no, I, I mean, mm. yeah, no, it's absolutely. It's just that, um, you know. So when I, you know, I was recently on my Facebook, I just said, you know, I told, I just said, okay, I'm going to lay it out there publicly of of what I'm going to try to accomplish in my next phase of my life, and people are going man, you're making me tired just thinking about it. But I go, there's just so much to do. And I love, I love Betty White. And she was talking, she's like 89 and she's going, and she was at an award show and receiving an award. And she goes, well, there's still so much I want to do. And I go, man, I need to be more like Betty. Just there's so much to do and to accomplish that until we're six feet under, you should be going for it every day. I agree. I agree. Embrace (laughs) this beautiful opportunity that we have. And not waste time with, um, you know, ideas of competition, you know, or, or, um, or the fact that there isn't enough time. That's mm-hmm. stressful. That's stressful. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. we're running well, a rat race. Yeah, yeah, no, so I think that also that, you know, given social media and, and everybody's obviously going to put their best foot forward, occasionally people are you know, honest and frank and saying, hey, this, this, this hurt or I did this wrong. But for the most part, you're always seeing the best of people's lives. And so I think it's easy for all of us to fall into that trap of going, man, look at their amazing life. They're going on these trips and they're doing all these great things. But I think it's really a time for you to say is, okay, um, I've got a good life. Or if not, then how can I make my life better? Not in competition with somebody else, but using it as a motiv- motivational factor to um, – bring more richness uh, and mm-hmm. depth to people's lives. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a, that's an interesting balance too, though, you know, because mm-hmm. it's typically that, that showing is a lot of money, right? Yeah. They mm-hmm. can do all that stuff. So what are we really, mm-hmm. what are we really putting out there? What is the message? Hmm. Yeah. Now going, going back to, to money, I'll go back to when I was living in Hawaii 
the first time I was in the Army and we were up at a uh, Army post called Schofield Barracks, and it was in 86 and 89, and Hawaii is expensive. And so the, the soldiers are going, ah, you know, I go, why are you just living in the barracks? They go, well, it's expensive. I go, you can jump on it you know, public transportation, go down to the beaches. Every beach is open. You know, there's no cost. There's no cost for, you know, you can sit out and be in the ocean and enjoy it and have a phenomenal time. You don't have to have a lot of money to garner all the great things. You know, you can go on hikes, you can do things, you can just embrace nature. I mean, I go for walks every day and I love it. I mean, um, Mm -hmm. I'm on my walks, um, I'll see flowers and I'll take pictures of all these flowers. And then I posted my Facebook, you know, kind of with the words of encouragement to That's right. uh, all my friends and family. And I just said, and people are going, well, man, where are those gardens? Where are you walking? And I said, Hey, I just walk all over and I just embrace right. it. And I go, sometimes I'm in neighborhoods with cars up on blocks and <laughs> dog, you know, it says beware of dogs behind all these fences and stuff like that. But all of a sudden I'll come across this, beautiful flowers and things like that. And I said, man, that's just so amazing. And so I think you need to sometimes just lift your eyes up off the ground and look all, all around and embrace what's going on and happening around you. So that falls right in love. I mean, in line with your holistic approach and your selfless service, you know, because it's just mm-hmm. random. You're just mm-hmm. loving at random. You see the beauty and you pass the beauty on with an encouraging word and it's selfless. Mm-hmm. I love it. Well, I think that, yeah, no. And well, and I think the other piece of it is too, is that and what I wrote in part of my thing is that we're just so caught up into what's in it for me and celebrity. And so I give some historical examples of people who weren't that, that their legacy legacies still exist. And, you know, mm-hmm. I talk about Jesus Christ. I talk about uh, Mahatma Gandhi, Abraham Lincoln, mm-hmm. Dr. Martin Luther King, Nelson, uh, Nelson Mandela, and Mother Teresa, and there's plenty of others. And sure. so, um, you know, they, they weren't about them. They were about the greater mankind and trying to improve people's lives and look at their legacies last for years and years and hundreds of years and thousands of years, where the next celebrity is going to be gone in two to three years. And so do what's meaningful and that that becomes your legacy, and it impacts not only today but tomorrow and years in the future. You know, it's, what's interesting right now at this this space and time is, you know, we're preaching that right to have some substance. Mm-hmm. You know, look for something deeper, find out who you are and your purpose. And it just seems like yeah, blah blah blah, whatever, because people still um, focus on the glitter. So when we're talking mm-hmm. about that celebrity, right, they're going to be gone, mm-hmm. you know, after their five minutes or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. But look at where we're at. I mean, our world is changing. And, you know, especially with this whole coronavirus and, you know, the, you know, the talk of um, all these celebrities getting this virus. Mm-hmm. I think our, it's like our whole world is being turned upside down and our values are going to have to surface and, and get real. Mm-hmm. You know, like, did you learn the well, lesson? What are you following? Yeah, no, 
Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I was just going to say is that, yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate, but you look at all the, the people who went to the beaches in Florida and people are going, what are you thinking? And so I think there was this kind of sense, well, it won't happen to me like we all have, you know, when we get in a car, you know, I'll never get in an accident. That that happens to somebody else. That doesn't happen to me. And I think it's a lot the same with this virus. Um you know, they talk about in northern Italy, it was the thought was, well, we're the small village up in northern Italy. It'll never happen to us. We'll be safe. And they were devastated. And so I think we just have to be so much more conscientious about um, who we are and how we impact all those around us, because inadvertently um, somebody can pass on the virus and not even know it and could have devastating effects. So I just think we just need to be more self-aware of ourselves and others around us and take care of them. Well, I, I truly believe that we are seeing something unprecedented and what's to come is going to be amazing. We have to remember mm-hmm. the bigger picture. This is God's world. There's a plan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. And yep. um, nope. this is what, like, you know, when we're talking about like, um, Okay, so back to your chapter. We're talking yeah. about selfless service, right? <laughs> I know. Yeah. Keep talking. Uh, let's. It says you. Uh, we have become in modern day personification of the seven deadly sins: pride, envy, glutton, lust, anger, greed, and sloth. This so true. This is our world, and this is what's being dug up and and um, turned upside down. And this is this is our time. Mm-hmm. You know, to lead with value, to create a legacy. Well, I think, yeah, no, I think that uh, we, um, even though I think that it's all part of that, we have to watch ourselves. I think this is, in some regards, I hate to say this, but it's almost a great wake-up call for us. Oh, um, totally. And how, we, mm. and how we respond and taking care of everybody. And I think people are really embracing that. I mean, you see people now um, making masks for our healthcare professionals and, and doing those things. And so I think, and then people are connecting, let's say like, um, reading groups are connecting, uh, via zoom or, um, other social media platforms so that they can engage with each other. So I think, it, so I think it's fabulous. So I think that this has been a great thing. I think in some regards, especially for the United States, I think we're our best at the worst of times. And I think some, it, too much we get into a rut and don't realize all the great things that we have going on in this country and so when things do get tough then we're going okay we we've got the fortitude we've got the ability to overcome any obstacles and so Mm -hmm. i would just say to everyone out there is just um, have faith do the right things and we will get through this together do the right thing do the right thing do Mm -hmm. good do good Mm-hmm. And what yeah. I mean by doing the right thing is it's when you, nobody's watching you and you do it. Absolutely. It's easy to do the right thing when people are observing you. So I always used to tell my soldiers is doing the right thing when nobody's around you because you have the self-discipline to do it. And that's, and mm-hmm. that's what I'm after. That's right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Self-discipline. Something that we are, we're so lacking because everyone, um, well, the world, let's just say the world guilty of these sins that you're talking about mm-hmm. and because everybody is guilty then then it, it almost seems like it doesn't matter mm-hmm. who's looking well, at me when they're the, doing it 
Mm-hmm. I huh? think the other piece of it is, too, is that I think we have taken what we have for granted to a certain degree. And so that's why I'm getting after the uh, the seven deadly sins. And so I love looking at uh, people who have just recently immigrated to this country or you hear about uh, parents who have immigrated. They've given up their country. They don't speak our language. They come in here and they work incredibly hard. And they try to say, you know, whether they're successful or not, they want to make sure that their children are successful. And they go right. to great lengths to make sure they've got the education. And I think it's just that they look at some of us who are born here going, what's your problem? You speak the language and you've been given all these opportunities and you're not taking advantage of them. And so I think that, you know, we can look at, around at others and, say, and take heart and say, hey, if they can. You know, how many times have we seen where somebody has some tremendous physical disabilities and they what they accomplish is just amazing so they, they have this they have this great sense and and purpose in their lives and I'm gone so anytime I ever feel sorry for myself I go wait a second you've got it so much easier than anybody else does so knock it off shut up and drive on because there's other people out there who have it much worse who are not mm-hmm. whining and complaining so I'm always looking myself in the mirror and going okay let's get going Right. So true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. um, It puts me in deep thought, actually. Okay. So I want to read this quote that you wrote from Nelson Mandela. I'm going to read it slow. Okay. So that we can really absorb it. (laughs) What counts in life is not the mere fact that we have lived. It is what difference we have made to the lives of others that will determine the significance of the life we led. If we let that sink in, it gives me chills. Mm-hmm. Because it's like step up. No, absolutely. I think I think it's a beautiful statement. It's wonderful and and loving and thoughtful. I mean, he spent thirty years in prison. Ugh. He could have came out bitter and broken, um, but he didn't. And he spoke wonderfully. He ended up becoming the president of his country and the changes that he made. And so um, given just all the odds that were stacked against him, he, with this great heart and great mind and great soul, uh, was able to accomplish so much, so much. And so I think it's, it's truly beautiful and wonderful. It was interesting. I was at a Women's Symposium in Hawaii, and uh, one of the guest speakers, she was phenomenal. Uh, The person in front of her was this very, what I'll say, sophisticated, sharp-looking businesswoman executive. And I felt, you know, so when I was watching this other woman come up, I said, man, boy, that's a tough act to follow. I feel terrible for it. Just, you know, she had um, this kind of black pantsuit on it wasn't you know of the best material and she gets up there and she talks about how she was from South Africa and that how uh, she had fought against apartheid and ended up in jail and she talks about looking out her prison window and watching her mom come to the prison to visit her and how that her being in jail had impacted her mother's life and that how she wasn't able to marry her fiance until apartheid ended and all the struggles that she went to. I don't think there was a dry eye in the audience. She had oh, just moved God. everybody about her self-sacrifices and the passion that she had. And so I think 
you know, it goes back to, okay, in this day and age, it would have been really easy to say, okay, here's this incredibly successful business uh, woman and look at how stylish she is. And, you know, obviously she's got wealth and money associated with her. And here's this woman who just seems like very average and things like that. But it was the other woman who impacted everybody in the audience. It was that selfless service that gave and brought her hope. I mean, nobody remembered the first speaker. Everybody remembered the second speaker. And so I would challenge everybody back to the selfless service and why it's so important. And I give some examples throughout the the reading about how that legacy is created and last. Yeah. Man. Mm -hmm. It's just, you know, it's funny. It's, It's one thing to hold a conversation with you, but it's another thing to get lost in the story. You know, to really, you know, it's like I'm listening to you and I'm envisioning this woman and her mom showing up and the the stall in her life and just all of it. You just think, if that doesn't make you thankful for your life, wherever you're at, you know, Mm -hmm. it's just the immense gratitude for wherever you're at. It's like, I'm Mm -hmm. I'm not that. And yeah. um, as much as I would say is that I'm proud of all the service that I did, I've got so much more to do. Um, my next goal in life is so for those out there. So I've you know been a soldier for 22 years, and people go, "Oh, thank you for your service." And I go, "It really was my pleasure and honor to serve this great country." And you know, I was a big for four years, and and the teen I was with, he was. Uh, in foster care and been in and out of juvenile delinquency. And I learned more about our laws and courts uh, than I'd ever imagined. And um, doing some other things, you know, serving at uh, soup kitchens and, and doing all of those things. But I still feel like I've got so much more to give. And so my next one goal is to what I'd really love to do is I don't do magic and I certainly can't sing is to go and read to kids in a cancer ward. I think mm. that just being amongst just being amongst those angels um, and the courage that they show um, would just be. I would get so much more out of it than just you know what yeah, going what in giving. there and reading to them. Sure. Yes, exactly. So that's my next uh, service that I want to do, and, and so that's what I'm trying to accomplish. That's really beautiful. You know, as I'm listening to to you talk about your your time in the service, and and I'm just sitting here wondering, it's like, why? How is it that your experience sounds so different than so many experiences that I've heard? You know, Mm -hmm. that um, veterans talk about, and it's like it it just to me solidifies the idea that you know each one of us it's a it's a multiverse. Literally, mm-hmm. we all create our own universe and your own truth, whatever it is you created. And, I mean, yours sounds lovely. How is it so <laughs> lovely? <laughs> well, there were times when it wasn't so lovely, when I'm sleeping on the ground and it's raining and it's freezing cold out. There was, there was plenty of non-lovely times. But, no, I just think, once again, I'm a truly a three-quarters glass filled type mm. guy. And mm-hmm. um, I'm just saying, you know, whatever the circumstances are, I'm going to make the best out of it and I'm going to learn from it and I'm going to grow from it. So, you know, I talked in, in my opening kind of remarks about who I am as I started working at 13. I could have been, you know, going, OK, this really stinks. I'm carrying a heavy golf bag. 
for six miles in 90 degree weather and it's hot and it's humid and I'm sweating and the sun's beating on me. Um, you know, I could feel like a load bearing animal and get nothing out of it, but it was great. I mean, I've le- learned and watched um, very successful people and, and how they talked and how they did business and how they interacted with each other. And so I, I grew uh, a lot and, and same with the, the army. I could have gone in and we talked about this the other time. So just to give some quick context. So um, I was, when I first graduated from college, I was selling life insurance and I was miserable. It was, it was just not what I wanted to do. <laughs> and so I went to visit a friend who is a, was a guidance counselor at, for a high school and, and we were just talking and chatting and on my way out, there was all these brochures for the army. And so I said, no, don't even think it. No, don't go there. Don't, you know, I'm trying to talk myself out of it. But sure enough, I snuck one of the brochures out of his office. And sure enough, I called one of the recruiters and I went in and talked to him. And then back then when I uh, went in, there was a program called College Op, where if the Army approved your packet, you went to eight weeks basic training. And then you went immediately to officer candidate school and were commissioned as a second lieutenant in the Army. Um, filled out my packet, the recruiter and everybody at the recruiting station said, oh, you're a shoe and you're going to make it. There's no issues. You're polished. You're professional. You scored high on all your examinations. You're just the type of person the arm, we want in the Army in this day and age. Well, it came back that I wasn't approved. My packet didn't get approved for whatever reason. And he, um, Rick Concepcion was my recruiter and still love him today. And he goes, man, he goes, I'm really sorry. And he goes, you know, like we said, we thought you were shoeing, don't know what happened. I said, well, that's okay. And so I I went for a 10-mile run. I said, okay, what do I want to do with my life? What do I want to go? I got this setback. And so I called him the next day, and I said, hey, I'd still like to talk to you, you know, about going into the Army. He goes, really? You would? And I said, yeah. And And so we went in, and we talked, and he goes, hey, I can get you something in maybe finance or the legal field. And I said, nah, if I'm going to the Army, I want to go full-on Army. I want to be, you know, airborne, <laughs> jump out of planes. I want to be a ranger. I want to, you know, I want to be an infantryman. If I'm going Army, I'm going all the way. And he, yeah. I think he started shaking. He couldn't believe it. He goes, really? And I go, yeah. And it, it was funny. He goes, well, if uh, you sign up for four years, I can give you a $5,000 bonus, I said. Hmm, I'm 24. Yeah, I can give up four years of my life. Let's go for it. Oh, my and goodness. <laughs> so I enlisted in the Army and went on down to uh, Fort Benning, Georgia, where the drill sergeants just ate me for lunch. And uh, it was an incredible experience. Uh, um, I, did, I did more push-ups than I care to think, imagine. But uh, while I was there, they said, hey, we want you to apply for officer candidate school. And I said, well, you know, I've already been turned down once. They go, yeah, but you're in the Army now, and they'll look at you, your packet differently. And sure enough, I submitted my packet, and I was accepted and went to officer candidate school. And then I, from there, I did my infantry training and then ranger school and airborne school and then on to Korea. But it was just, even though you have setbacks, that doesn't mean that the, that the trip that you're on or your travels or your journey have ended. You just mm-hmm. may have to take a detour or you might be taking mm-hmm. a different route, but that doesn't mean you have to stop or give up. And so right. I'm so thankful that I didn't give up because I look back now that I'm 61 and I look back when I was 22 and I go, there's absolutely no way could I have imagined 
the kind of rich life that I have had at 22. I would have been my own worst enemy. I would have prevented from me from doing all the great things that I have done. And I, I shouldn't say great things that I've done, but all the things that I've accomplished <laughs> and seen, I, you know, let's remain humble, Hardy. Uh, <laughs> but I'm just saying it just, my life has just had so much more value and uh, richness to it that I couldn't imagine, you know, all the places mm-hmm. that I traveled and places that I've lived, you know, I've, lived in Korea four separate times for over 13 years. I got to live in Australia for a year. I lived in Portland, Oregon, Seattle, Washington, Chicago, Illinois, um, mm-hmm. Fort Benning, Georgia. Just, you know, just getting to see all the United States and, and see the world and travel and experience those things. It's just, it's been amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It makes you sit there and think like, you know, how old am mm-hmm. I and what have I actually done? Mhm. Right. Which, yeah, no, it's mm-hmm. absolutely. So I, so I'll go back. So, um, my dad was about forty, forty-one when I was born. There's, we have five kids in the family. I'm number four, number three son, and it was one of those times when I was in my twenties, and, and he and I. So obviously he's in his sixties, and we were having dinner together, and he just said his biggest regret was when he was forty-five. He and two two of his best friends we're going to form their own company. And they, he goes, I had all the finances laid out. We had everything well planned out, but he goes, your mom really was too nervous, thought it was great of a, too great of a risk. Uh, so I didn't do it. And he goes, that's my biggest regret in life. And I said, okay, I planted that seed. So when I was leaving the military, I was about 45 and I said, okay, I remembered what dad said. And I also started doing some research and I really started listening to the people who were in their sixties. And a lot of the same themes kept coming up. They, they all said, Hey, I wish when I was in my forties, I had done X, Y, and Z. I was young enough. I had enough money. I could have done it, but I talked myself out of doing it. So I went and did the things that I wanted to do. Now that I'm in my sixties, I saw a great bridge documentary about people in their eighties and nineties and they go, hey, our lives are fabulous. They couldn't, you know, even in our 50s and 60s, we still had hangups about who we were and what we were trying to accomplish. They're going, now in this life, I'm living incredible lives. And so I'm just saying, man, if they can have great rich lives in our 80s and 90s, why can't we? So that's why when I made this transition, I decided to leave corporate America. I wanted to leave on my own terms and do the things that I wanted to. And, And I had so many people going, wow, I admire you. And, and so I get these calls all the time now, and they're going, hey, how's it going? I go, well, in some regards, it's going much faster than I thought it was. In other ways, it's not going as well, you know, or at least going to what I, how I thought the plan was. I go, you know, hey, am I making as much money? No, there's times where I'm going, okay, how am I going to juggle around my finances and stuff like that? But I've never woke up going, man, today's going to stink. I wake up going, okay. How can I move my life forward? How can I move my plan forward and apply the energy? So each day I'm devoted to doing something, to moving the needle forward. And so mm-hmm. I think it's really exciting. And so when I talk to people and they go, well, where do you stand? I said, well, you know, I've written this essay for Jim Britt's book. And um, I've just sent yesterday my second novel to the editor to be edited. I'll have my own coaching book out you know, probably in the next three months, and I'll probably have my third mystery out on the street by the end of the summer. And I go, in addition to doing all the other things that I do, and I just said, it's good. <laughs> it's exciting. 
Yep. You know what? And as I hear you saying all that, you know, we do have to be humble, but this is between you and God. Exactly. This is my philosophy, right? Everything that I do is between me and God. So, Mm -hmm. you know, when somebody says, well, how are you doing? What are you up to? And stuff, there's no reason for, for any of that. It's just, it's just like a smile on your heart going, Oh, I just love my life. Mm-hmm. And I want everybody to so, feel like that. I want you to love your life. No, a- a- absolutely. So every morning, just uh, my wife and I have been married for, it'll be 34 years in May. Mm-hmm. So each morning we get up, and we haven't done this throughout our whole marriage, but we've done it for about the last year and a half, is every morning we get up and we meditate for 15 to 20 minutes. And we start off by just giving thanks to God. And saying, here's all the things that are going well. And just kind of clearing your mind and your body and everything that's weighing you down. And it's a great way to start the morning. And then every evening, because we are Catholic, we say the rosary. And once again, it's asking God for either thankfulness or, hey, we need help here. And so we're starting our day and ending our, you know, our day giving thanks to God and asking him for his assistance. And then throughout, like when we sit down for every meal, we say grace because mm-hmm. we are thankful and we're sitting together and we've got so much going on. Um, I, I Just a sidetrack is that uh, I met my wife in Korea. So we met in October. She finally agreed to date me in December. We were chaperoned during our dates. <laughs> and so people go, what's chaperone mean? I mean, we couldn't hold hands, kiss, or do anything. We were we had a trusted aunt or uncle or somebody watching us the whole time. Uh, I asked her to marry me in February, and we were married in May. And so uh, it'll be 34 years in May. Wow. And so, so regardless of what you may think of me, especially, or my wife, I just said the funniest thing is that our three kids, ages 31, 25, and 19, all live in the same house up in Seattle. And they go, uh, they have both said privately and publicly, both individually and collectively, that they could never imagine uh, not living with their siblings. Um, and so people go, oh, that's really wonderful. And they, they, oh, they must love each other. And I said, oh, yeah, but don't bring a pair of, uh, don't bring some nail clippers to a knife fight because those kids will cut you up. <laughs> They're pretty tough. They're very tough on each other, but it's very loving and caring and they look after each other. So, it's all good. I love that. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I absolutely love that. You know, you don't hear that that often um, in our American society or way of life. You know, 18, mm-hmm. get out. You're on your own. I did my job. And, right. and I'm not of that philosophy at all. So to have you share that, oh, my God, I think that's so beautiful. Why don't you want to be around the people that you love the most? No, no, for for sure. And so it was really great. So because of all my corporate and army travels, uh, this last Christmas was the first time we had all been collectively together for like four years. It's been tough just given where Mm -hmm. everybody was at. And so Mm -hmm. uh, we've always decorated our house and and get everything fixed up. And so uh, we had the house and I went and picked up the kids and brought them to the house and, and had the tree and had all these gifts out on Christmas Eve or Christmas night. Christmas Eve night and uh, under the tree and I'm going, how old are you guys? And they're going, don't, don't, no, this is, we love this. This is great. This is awesome. You know, it's like mm-hmm. they were like seven, eight, nine all over again. They're going, man, look at the gifts. Look at the, the way the tree laid out. And it was, and it was, it was our, probably one of our very, very best Christmases. That's beautiful. I love it. You know, that um, when we're talking about 
our purpose, right? Mm-hmm. And our purpose is to be happy. That's really mm-hmm. what it is. You know, and everything that we've talked about in this in this um show or on this show, different from our last two shows, it's literally that. It's like our our when you're talking about the selfless service, in that giving to each other, well, this is what you've created. You have created that life that you absolutely love, your children's life that they absolutely love, a marriage that you love. I mean, this is what it's about. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so let me let me just go back a little bit. Since okay. we're we're looking for our purpose, right? How did you mm-hmm. how did you know that your wife would be the one? Well, trust me, she, she it's probably the best sales job I ever did in my life. Um, <laughs> so, uh, it, it, you know, it just it just does. You know, I, I've dated plenty and things like that. And it was so funny because uh, back then we didn't have cell phones and things like that. And so to tell my parents that I had asked this, uh, my wife to marry me, I was out literally in a pay phone and Sunday morning, at about eight o'clock in the morning, Korea time, which was like in the afternoon, Michigan time. And I'm pumping mm-hmm. in all these quarters. So it's like $15 worth of quarters going into the pay phone uh, to call my mom. And I get on the phone and I, you know, we're talking, she's going, how you doing? I'm doing, you know, I go, I'm doing well. And I, I go, Hey, guess who's getting married? And she goes, um, she starts going through all my <laughs> friends' names. I go, no, uh-huh. no. And she goes, wait a second. You, you're getting married? I said, yeah. And she goes, well, tell me about her. And and I did. And she goes, well, we have complete trust and confidence in you. And we know that if you love her, we'll love her too. And oh, she was, she was great. My mom, mm-hmm. my mom, because my mom had terrible, terrible arthritis. And my wife was really, really good with her and, and just taking good care of her when she was, when she'd come and stay with us and, or we'd go visit. And so, um, yeah, no, it was no. It, there were some challenges. So, for example, um, I'm a traditionalist. So her dad didn't speak any English, but her older brother, who's the same age as me, we were friends. So I said, okay, well, I will ask your brother, you know, as a surrogate to you asking your father. He was very upset. Didn't go over at all that I was gonna wanted to marry his sister. In fact, a big kind of brouhaha went with her family and so my wife actually went down to the town nearest where a bunch of her friends was about 30 miles away and i would go to her house to see if she had returned and her mom goes no you know basically no she's not she'll be here tomorrow and i said okay so after a while i just said this isn't right and so i jumped in a taxi i risked my career (laughs) over this i jumped in a taxi with my three words of korean and directed him to this small town that I'd only been to one time before, I should say really a small city, and to I knew where her and her friends would hang out. And so I missed the first two places. But the third place, I walked through the door and I get punched in the kidneys. I almost like fell to my knees. I go, wow, what was that? And then I hear all this laughter behind me and it was my wife and her friends and they were so shocked to see me. And so I just said to her, I just said, Hey, this is this is not right. You've got to go back to your family. And I just said, there's no way. As much as I love you, do I want to come between you and your family? That family is incredibly mm-hmm. important. So she right. went back up to her family, and they had this big family meeting. And it was really her father who made the decision. And goes, hey, it's better to gain a son than lose a daughter. And for a Korean man in that day and age and that generation to be what I'll say is 
um, very understanding. It's incredible. So okay, you know, it's a beautiful story. But you know what? It, it's a perfect story of your purpose. She mm-hmm. was your your why. Why mm-hmm. you would put all those quarters of this year? Why would you you know travel that far? Why on three words of Korean? Why she's your why? Mm-hmm. This is what we're looking for in our life, not just the humdrum. You know, well maybe do you want to do this? <laughs> mm-hmm. This this is no. how we should be in everything we do. There's a why. It's like this is why mm-hmm. I'm I'm weathering the storm because I have to have this, and I'm willing yes. to go through it. Right. Hmm. No, and, that's what I got from I this mean, whole so, conversation with you, with everything that you've shared, like you know, with with your time and the service and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's, it was a why. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah, that's that is you know, people need to know their why. Like, are you willing to suffer and go through it? You know, whatever it takes to get that, to have that mm-hmm. that wife, that man, that woman, that job, mm-hmm. that career. Are you willing to get down and do all those push-ups? Are you willing? Are you willing to mm-hmm. sleep on the ground in the rain and the cold? <laughs> Are you willing? <laughs> what is your why? Yeah. But the war, the rewards, though, on you know, and the opportunities that come from it are so vastly great. Uh, I just, uh-huh. I always tell people, I, you know, like in the you know, both in the service, but more in the corporate world, I always would tell people who work for me or peers, and I just always say, opportunity is going to knock. It's not going to always knock on your schedule, and you've got to be willing to answer the door, and you are allowed to say no. But just understand, yeah. if you keep saying no to opportunities just because it doesn't fit your timeline and things along those lines, that they'll start becoming fewer and farther. Amen. And so so you've got to, and even though the opportunity may not lead to what you thought, it it might open doors to other opportunities and greater experiences and rewards. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's the power of yes. Just say yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You recognize the opportunity. You might be afraid and there's going to be some, you know, some, uh, risk you're going to have to take, some skin, you're going to have to just say, okay, fine, I'll put it, I'll, I'll go ahead and do it, not knowing what's on the other side, but it's magical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is. Mm-hmm. And that's what I was telling you yesterday when I interviewed um, Ryan Rennick. He, that was one of his things, too, was the power of yes. And I think that's something that, that all of us in this whole series understands how beautiful when opportunity knocks that it doesn't even, sometimes it's just not about the opportunity that, that's at hand. It's what's on the other side of the door. You don't know. Absolutely true. Couldn't, couldn't agree more. And so I think that, you know, when people look at this book and the other books about being an entrepreneur, that it's all about money. But really, as you and I have discussed, it's almost just the opposite. It's really about mm-hmm. finding the happiness and joy and meaning and the why in your lives. And I think mm-hmm. uh, hopefully people will come to this and read these different uh, essays that are throughout and saying, okay, this is great. Cause these are all different people all come from different backgrounds and have mm-hmm. different stories and different ways of defining success, but they are all successful because they've gotten after their why. Mm-hmm. There is so much wisdom in these books. You know, because mm-hmm. 
all of these entrepreneurs coming together to not talk about wealth. It's not about wealth. It's about being in the trenches and what your discovery was and then bringing it to the forefront so that maybe you, you know, a new entrepreneur, you don't necessarily have to go through it or when it, when it steps up and you're struggling through it, know that you're not the only one. This is how you're going to get through it. No, I think that the, the secret handshake isn't how to avoid the pain is just being able to get through the pain because mm-hmm. I, I don't care. Life is going to always deal you a ball or it's going to make, there's going to be some challenges that you face, no matter how hard you prepare and uh, think that you are going to nail it. Life's going to throw you a curveball, but being able to fight past that and through that, will make you that much more successful and enjoy the journey. And I think that's the other piece of it is just enjoying the journey and all that it brings. I think sometimes we get too consumed or obsessed with the goal or the objective because once you get there, you go, okay, what comes next? Yep. Now what? And, and, and Yeah. Now what? And so <laughs> I'm just saying, Hey, enjoy it. You know, if you're going to do it, you're going to expend all this energy and resources, which I highly commend, but, be ready to move on. And so, like I said, you know, at 61, I'm moving on. I've completely changed my life. I'm taking a huge mm-hmm. risk, um, mm-hmm. both, you know, financially. Um, so, um, yeah, you know, I went from a well-paying six-figure job to nothing. And so I'm <laughs> starting from scratch. And so I'm going uh-huh. for it. Go for it. That's why yes. I believe that it's so important when you cast your stone. It's like you've got to cast it way out there, so far that you can't even see it anymore. You have no mm-hmm. idea how you're going to reach it. But every single day, that's your why, because you have to catch up to it wherever it landed, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and, and grow into that space. Because if you don't, you're going to find yourself asking why, not why, but now what? Now what? Over mm-hmm. and over again. Now what? Okay, I got the degree. Now what? Well, and, I think Jim, <laughs> Jim, I'll quote, uh, I'll attribute this to Jim, is that he goes, people are addicted to their mediocre lives. I'd so love to. Mm-hmm. It is. So I just going, okay, yeah, I may not be driving the fanciest cars or anything like that, but as far as richness of my life goes, I'll compare it to anybody. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's not about those things. I mean, it's great when they're around, whatever, that's just the, the icing on the cake, but it's really the story you created. Mm-hmm. What is in there? What is the substance? What risk did you take? What was your passion? Why did you do it? You know, you got to really self-reflect and know who you are to say, well, gosh, I don't even know why I did it, but I just knew I had to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and. And and then, you know, pause to reflect and enjoy. I mean, and the other thing is just enjoy the small victories as you go along mm-hmm. because, mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're going to sure have your trials and tribulations, but enjoy the small victories and going, hey, that went good, but don't stop. Keep going. Keep moving forward. Um, and you'll get there. And you'll go, this was good. And it gives you confidence. I just said, you know, I told my wife, I go, you know, we wanted, we made this big decision. And I just said, Give me two years. Most people, you know, that I've talked to, the things that I'm trying to accomplish, they'll say, hey, it'll take you about four years. And I told my wife, I said, give me two years. I go, that's right. Um, I'm going to I'm going to work really hard, but I'm going to do it. And she goes, you know what? We've always been able to pay the bills. 
We've always fed ourselves, our family. Mm-hmm. We've always clothed ourselves. We always have a roof over our house. She goes, I trust you. You know, we'll make it. And we're, and we're mm-hmm. going to. Mm-hmm. I believe that, too. Totally. Well, God bless you both. <laughs> Thank you. I, I absolutely love it. You know, this, this conversation was absolutely different than our last two. That's for sure. And I think it it's was. because, yeah, um, but just as rich, totally just as rich. I'm hoping that, you know, our listeners really, really um, start to question their own existence. Well, what do you do? Well, it's, hmm. well I was just going to say, because the three areas that I covered was selfless service, um, relationships, and spirituality. And so even right. though we didn't kind of highlight it, we still covered all three areas. We just yes. kind of went about it in a different way. So it, mm-hmm. it all, yeah. we, we got there. <laughs> we actually, yeah, we did do that. And I suggest that everybody get the book, read the chapter. It's beautiful. And um, to that point about the spirituality, you know, and recognizing the small little things, those small little things are what keeps, well, me personally going. Like if I find a penny, I'm delighted. Mm-hmm. I'm delighted. Mm-hmm. I just feel like, oh, you know, that's my abundance. That's my angels talking to me. I, you know, kind of stop, rewind the table. What was I thinking about? And um, I relive that moment. And it just fills me up and and keeps me going. So it's those little things. It wasn't a goal to find a penny. It just happened to land. Mm-hmm. It just was like dropped somewhere, you know? Mm-hmm. No, it's, it's true. It, There's just so much good things going on around us. And I think that it's really easy to get caught up with just all the bad things, too. But I just said you've got to you've got to look past it and, and enjoy. Right. So That's like your flowers, like your flowers mm-hmm. during the day. Or if I see like a white butterfly, they have certain meanings to me. These are, these, this is the universe talking to you. This is your relationship with God. And this is what keeps you going mm-hmm. every single day to whatever that beautiful destination is. Mm hmm. So. And, and people, people will be, reach out to you. You'll be surprised because sometimes when you're having a bad day, let's say, and we're all entitled to a bad day or having an off moment, and, and all of a sudden a friend will reach out and you weren't expecting them and they're saying, hey, I've been thinking about how you're doing. And I think it goes to your point about the angels looking out for us and just saying, hey, he needs some energy or he needs a, yeah. a pat on the back or he you. needs a shoulder to cry on. Yes. That's so right. The angels are looking out for us on our behalf. That's right. And you have to mm-hmm. believe that. I mean, what a dark and lonely life. If you are only here during this existence and you feel like you've got nothing greater working in your favor. Yeah. No. So one last quick one, cause I know we got to wrap up pretty quick here is that, mm-hmm. uh, Way back when, when I was a young man, my family was not very demonstrative, you know, didn't believe in hugs or anything like that. And so uh, uh, my mother goes to me, she goes, well, you know, really, what do you want on the marriage, you know, in, in a family? And I just said, well, I'd love for us to be you know, more demonstrative. And she goes, you know, go, good luck with that. You know, it's a pretty sarcastic <laughs> comment. And so my wife and my wife, who's Korean, was not real hu- big on hugs, but she's getting better. Um, and then my two girls are good, but man, my son, um, he and I give some serious hugs to each other and it's great. It's not those little awkward man hugs, you know, we're we're kind of, it's full on hugs and kiss each other and just go, (laughs) yep. And it's so great. So 
it you know it took me a while to get there, but man, the Lord has taken good care because my son and there I you just, go. yeah yeah uh, makes life give each living. other great hugs. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, Matthew, a big hug to you. This is going to cut us off, and I Thank don't you. want to be rude about it. I appreciate you being on the show. I loved our talk today. And um, I'm going to put on here from your chapter where they can reach you. If anybody out there wants to get a signed copy, I can hook you up with that too, right? Yes, the, please. Uh, reach out to me, Marilyn, at the Rich Code, at the Rich Club code <laughs> we just changed that <laughs> or merrily at the merrily show.com either one and um we'll get you hooked up so matthew have a wonderful day god bless you you too miss merrily and to all the listeners out there thank you so much thank you bye-bye bye-bye